United in Christ, in the sermon series, United, spoken by Pastor Clayton Chan. It's good to be here uh, worshiping together today. Uh, I just want to welcome you wherever you are, uh, wherever you may be, I just want to welcome you here um, and just really invite the Spirit in this place. Uh, I know for some of you it's been a really hard week, especially for parents. Uh, this is your first week of remote learning with your kids. And so I just hope that this time would be a time of rest, resting in the presence of God. And so would you just bow with me as I pray for us? God, we just thank you for who you are, God, for being the God who loves us, for being the God who sustains us, for being the God who knows what we need at every moment and provides it. And so we just want to invite your spirit in this place, wherever we may be, whether it's in our homes, in our offices, wherever, Father, we are gathering, I just pray that your spirit would just be with us. And that, God, this would truly be a time of rest, resting in you, resting in your presence, resting in your power. And so, God, as we continue um, just this series on unity, I pray, Father, for a greater unity for our church, that even though it's hard to uh, figure out what it means to be a community in this time, I just pray, Father, that you would just gather us together, whether it's been spirit or in any other way, Father, so that we could stay united worshiping you. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. There's a saying that goes, don't judge a book by its cover. It's a phrase that reflects our tendency to judge people or things based on how they look on the outside or on the surface. One area that I find people judging me in is in basketball. Right? I love basketball. I love playing basketball. But if you've ever played pickup basketball, you know that whenever you go to the gym or to the park, right, there are different courts for varying skill levels. You'll have the beginner's court where maybe you'll see somebody practicing their shot. Or maybe the games are just really messy with a lot of turnovers, right? You never want to play at the beginner's court. That's where you go to get injured, right? Or it's the intermediate court where you'll see some semblance of a game, right? People will be passing, people will be running, setting picks, right? It looks like a functional game. And then there's the advanced court where it wouldn't be a surprise to see people dunking. Whenever I play, I like to gravitate towards the advanced court, and not because I can dunk, right? Although that would be amazing. But I like to play at the advanced court because I like to challenge myself. I like to play against tougher competition. I believe that it brings the best out of me. But being an Asian, I oftentimes get funny looks. People look at me and start to judge me even before they see me dribble or shoot. And I love it. I actually love it. I revel in it because I love catching people by surprise. There's this one time where this group of black guys uh, were playing and dominating the court. They had won like three games in a row, and so I called next. I scrape up whoever I can find, whoever's waiting there, and we start to play. And in the beginning, they just let me go and do whatever I want, right? And so I'm shooting and I'm scoring. But after a while, after making a few baskets, they start to play, for, they start to play, uh, for, play against me for real, right? They start to defend me aggressively. And so I start to play for real. This guy defends me. I cross him over and go up for a layup. And the moment I made that basket, all of his teammates start to laugh at him and mock him. And so I got really offended. I was insulted. I was like, why is this so embarrassing that I would cross this person up and, and lay it in? And so once again, the guy defends me, and I cross him up again, and I shoot, and I make the basket. And again, his teammates are laughing at him. 
And so then he goes and says, hey, you go guard him, right? If you think you could do better, you go guard him. So one by one, I'm taking these guys on and I'm scoring against them. And at the end, they all stop laughing. Unfortunately, we didn't win. I wish we had. But I had gained their respect that day. When they first saw me step onto the court, they already made their minds up about me. They thought that I couldn't, I couldn't stick with them, that I couldn't stand with them. In their mind, I wasn't good enough to play with them. They had this preconceived notion about who I was and how good I was. And because of that notion, there was a division where they didn't think I should be playing on their court. When we place people into boxes or categories and trying to define that person, what we're actually doing is creating division. I think there's a reason why our country is so divided right now. In trying to define ourselves, we focus more on our differences than we do on what we have in common. Instead of looking at whom we align with, we look to whom we are against. If we are Republicans, we're against the Democrats. If we are for Black Lives Matter, then we must be against the police. And even as Christians, if we are Protestants, then we're opposed to Catholics. But it doesn't have to be this way. In fact, God made a way for different people with different perspectives to come together in unity. Last week, Pastor Doug started us off on this new sermon series called United, where we're going to be taking a look, a deeper look at what it means to be united, right? Looking at the subject of unity. Pastor Doug led us off with this powerful message about God being the united God who's brought us into a united story. And today, I want to take a look, a deeper look into what it means to be united in Jesus. Answering the question, how do we preserve our unity in Jesus? So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4? And we're going to read from verse 1 through 16. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. A lot of alls. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect 
the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul is writing to a divided church. There was a theological debate happening in the church of Ephesus on salvation. The church of Ephesus was made up of Jewish and Gentile Christians, and they were debating, what does it mean to be saved? Where does salvation come from? The Jewish Christians believe that the Gentiles had to adhere to these Jewish, Jewish religious practices. But Paul gives his exhortation here to the church, urging them to remember their calling. The call that Paul is referring to here is not one of ministry, nor is it one of your job or profession, but it is the call to live a life worthy of what Christ has done for us. Paul goes on to describe this call in verse 2. He says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is a relational aspect of the call of God that God has for us. As believers and followers of Jesus, we are called to be united in him. Unity is at the heart of what God wants for our church community, for our church body. And I love how Paul describes what it means to be united. It's not simply about being gentle, patient, or humble, although those things are needed. But Paul says that we are to bear with one another in love. Right, to put it another way, we are to put up with each other. Paul's not sugarcoating anything here. He knows how difficult people can be. He knows that being in relationships can be exhausting. He knows how hard it is to love difficult people. And so sometimes all we can do for the sake of love is to put up with each other. There will always be people you disagree with. There will always be people who rub you the wrong way. There will always be people who you just don't communicate well with. But these are exactly the people that God wants you to bear with and even to work to live in unity with. Why? For the sake of the church. Unity is a calling. It's not something that we will naturally want to do, nor is it something that we can accomplish easily. It is something that we can hold on to, hold firmly on to with the help of God. We can stay united with the help of God. And look what it says in the next few verses, starting in verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul says to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Right? The key word here is keep. Paul doesn't say create, establish, or produce unity. He says to keep or maintain the unity that we have in the Spirit. To keep and maintain the unity that exists because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Our role in being united in, is to preserve the unity that God has established in Jesus Christ. Unity is a gift from God. And that's good news because we don't have to try to figure out how do we connect with others or to have a point of contact because God has already established that for us in Jesus. 
We are united not because of anything that we do, but because of what Christ has done for us. It is in the person and work of Jesus that we are bound together to be a church community, to be a body, to be a family. As Christians, we have a oneness that draws us together. We have a shared faith. Our faith is not just private and individual, but it's communal. It's not just private, but it's also public. And that's why we come together to worship our God, even if it means virtually in this way. What Jesus did for one of us, he did for all of us. When Jesus gave up his life on the cross, it wasn't just for me, but it was also for you. What Jesus accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection wasn't just the forgiveness of our sins, but it was to bring us to be one people, his people. As individuals, we might be very different from each other. We might have different interests, talents, giftings, even ethnic backgrounds, but on a spiritual level, we are one. As Paul says, we have one body, one spirit, one faith, one hope, one God and Father of all. What we're talking about here is what Pastor Doug taught us about last week, the oneness of God and the unity in the Trinity. Just as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one in perfect unity with each other, we also are to be in perfect unity with each other as believers. It is the work of Jesus that has brought us into this perfect unity. There is nothing more unifying than Jesus. This unity, it transcends proximity so that even though we may be physically apart, we are spiritually together. This unity goes beyond our differences because what we have in common is far greater than anything that could divide us. And yet, we still see division. The reason why division exists in the church is because we place more value on our differences than in our submission to Jesus. The reason why division exists in the church is because we place more value in our differences than in our submission to Jesus. You can have disagreements and differing opinions still stay united, but the moment those disagreements and opinions are become greater than God is the moment that the church is fractured. Unity isn't just about what we have in common, but it's also about what we value. When we place more value on our differences than on what we have in common, we will see disunity and division. Do the things that divide us have more value than the one who unites us, Jesus? Stop making your differences more important than Jesus. There might be a million things that we can point to as a reason for division, but do any of them measure up to the grace of God and what Christ has done for us? Is there anything more important than responding to God and, what his, and his grace by responding in obedience and living in unity with each other? Living in unity with each other doesn't mean that we're going to love each other at, at every moment. There will be times where we hurt and disappoint each other. Sometimes we're going to need space away from each other because people move uh, through their emotions and their feelings at, in a different time, a different way. But to be united in Jesus means that eventually we will seek forgiveness and pursue reconciliation. To be united in Jesus means that we are committed to one another. We are to love each other and forgive each other even when it may be hard to do so. What allows us to be at peace with each other 
is knowing that we are already, already at peace with God. To know that Jesus has forgiven us and still loves us even while we are still sinners. So why should we withhold our love from others? There is no greater unity than the one we have because of Jesus. This is a unity that moves us from hurting one another to reconciling with each other. This is a unity not based on our external circumstances like our status or spoken language or the city that we live in, but it's based on the reality, the hidden realities of God. This is not a unity that we can create, but it is one that we must maintain and preserve. So how do we preserve our unity in Jesus? The first way is to be a champion of diversity. Be a champion of diversity. Unity does not mean uniformity. While we may look to be united with people who are similar to us or who are like us, the great thing about unity in Christ is that Jesus brings people from every nation, every language, every culture together regardless of our differences. We don't all need to be the same to be united. It might be easier to connect with each other when we have similarities, but it's not as enriching. The beautiful thing about being united in Jesus and being so different is that we have so much to learn from each other. Diversity is a gift from God to his church, and so we must, ma- we must fight to maintain that gift. As we look at the passage, after talking about the oneness of our faith that brings us together, Paul continues in verse 7. He says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. The grace that Paul speaks about here is not of salvation. This grace has been apportioned, it's been allocated, it's been divided. And salvation can't be apportioned or divided. Christ died for all, not just some. The grace that Paul is referring to here is one of responsibility. We are to be responsible for the things that God has given to us to serve others. God did not make us all to be carbon copies of each other. We have different backgrounds, talents, gifts, and even stories for a reason. But sometimes we try to minimize our differences and distinctiveness, thinking that it will help us achieve greater unity. When it comes to race, we will say, I don't see color. Everyone looks the same to me. We think that by seeing everyone the same or taking away a person's racial background, that that we're helping the cause of diversity, or helping the cause of unity, when instead we're actually hurting it by not embracing that part of a person's identity. When it comes to our opinions and our thoughts, you may not share how you really feel because you think that it's opposed to the majority. You think that by holding back your voice, you're helping to maintain unity. But by holding back your voice, you're actually giving into this false view of what it means to be united. To take away our distinctiveness and differences is to take away who we are and how God created us and who he has established unity in. True and lasting unity can only be realized 
when we hold on to who we are, even what makes us different, as we commit to each other for the sake of Jesus. It's in diversity that we see unity really shine. This is why it's so important that we don't look past our differences, but that we instead we learn to embrace them. To be united is not to give up your individuality, but instead embrace who you are and how God created you in order to build up his church. When Paul says that God has given gifts to his people in verse 7, he's not just talking about our gifts and talents, but the greatest gift that God has given to his church is you. You are a gift to the church, so don't diminish who you are and what you have to offer. We have an opportunity here at Metro to really embrace our diversity as we hold on to our unity. We are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. We have people from different ethnicities, ages, backgrounds, and talents. We are blessed to be diverse, but what's the point of being diverse if we're not taking the opportunity to learn from and to bless each other? I think many of us like the concept or the idea of diversity more than we actually like being championed for it. We like the idea of being part of a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church, but we are so passive about embracing that part of our church. To be united in Jesus, we need to move past just liking this idea of diversity to being active and embracing it. Let's be champions of diversity by being proactive, by seeking out relationships with people who are different from us. For the sake of unity, can you be intentional about meeting up with someone ethnically different from you so that you can learn about his or her culture? For the sake of unity, can you be intentional about starting a relationship with somebody who's older or who's younger than you? Older people have a lot to teach us, but so do younger people. In my many years of being in youth ministry, the people who've taught me the most are, are, have actually been my students. Don't discredit what kids have to teach us. Don't discredit kids and how much they have to offer. For the sake of unity, can you remain at this church even if you don't agree with every stance of the church? You don't always have to be in agreement with each other, and that includes the church but there is a value in having differences of opinions as long as it's accompanied with grace. Your voice and opinion matters. Let's preserve the unity that we have in Jesus by not just being okay with diversity, but being a champion for it. Let's be active in our pursuit of growing deeper in relationships with people different than us. Championing Championing diversity is the way that we will maintain the unity that we have in Jesus. The second way to preserve our unity in Jesus is to be a bodybuilder. To be a bodybuilder. Yes, you heard me correctly. I did say bodybuilder. But I'm not talking about those people who work out their bodies to get ripped and shred, shredded. We need to be builders of the church body. Paul writes, starting in verse 11, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Unity is not static. 
It's not whether it's either we're divided or united. We can, we can be more united or less united at times. But the hope is that our unity would grow over time. In verse 13, Paul writes that our unity is a reflection of our maturity. Maturity and unity, they go hand in hand. If we're not growing in maturity, then guess what? We're not growing in unity either. This is why being in relationship and community is so important. Maturity can only be achieved with the help of others. We cannot become the people of God that he desires for us to be without the church body. This is why it's so important that we don't isolate ourselves or go on these faith journeys alone. Part of the process of refining our faith and being made into the likeness of Christ is to serve one another, but also to be served by another. Paul says that we are to be equipped by God's word for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. There's this natural progression when it comes to maturity. We learn from God and grow in the knowledge of him, oftentimes through the teaching of pastors and teachers. As we grow in knowledge of God and his word takes hold of our hearts, then we're motivated and moved to love and to serve others, which eventually turns into maturity and the church being built up. In making every effort to keep the unity that Jesus has established, we need to build up the church body by being committed to one another. Every person has a part to play in the health of the church. When one person is hurting, we're all hurting. The way we are to build each other up is to serve one another. Right? We can't be so concerned about ourselves that we're neglecting others. If you are only concerned with your own spiritual growth, then the reality is that you're looking for the church to serve you. If you find yourself asking questions like, what does this church have to offer my kids and me? Or if you're asking the question, oh, I, or, I wonder if the sermon or the worship is going to be good this Sunday. Guess what? You're looking for the church to serve you. You are not building up the body of Christ. You are tearing it down. We have to check our hearts. Are we doing our part to build up the body? Either we are building it up or we are tearing it down. Look at what Paul says in verse 16. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul says that the body only grows if each part does its work. So if you're not involved in the church in any way, you're hurting the church. You are withholding yourself and what you have to offer in strengthening up the body of Christ. For the body to be built up, each part has to do its work. For us to stay united, we have to move from a consumerist mentality to a contributor's mentality. We have to stop thinking in terms of I and me and instead start thinking in terms of you and we. It might be hard to support and, support and serve one another during this time because we're not meeting physically as a church. But that just means that we need to be creative about how we gather, how we can still be a community, how we can support one another. Your way of serving the church might be to check up on people who you haven't heard or spoken from in a while. It's easy during this pandemic time to just isolate ourselves in our own homes, in our own families. 
But we still have to figure out a way to be a community even if we're not meeting physically together. We all have a part in building up the church. We all have a responsibility to serve and be concerned for each other. As we remain united in Jesus, let's be committed to building each other up by supporting and serving one another. To preserve our unity in Jesus, we have to champion diversity. We have to be a champion for diversity. We have to build the church body. And lastly, we need to be defenders of the truth. To be defenders of the truth. One of the greatest dangers to unity is deceit. Deceit can come in many forms. It could come as lies that, uh, that break apart trust. It could be false rumors to hurt people or even gossip to embarrass people. I think as a church, we need to be especially careful about gossip because it's one of those things where we don't think it's really hurting anyone, but we've seen churches and relationships destroyed by it. Deceit, lies, rumors, gossip, these are all things that are rooted in this desire to tear down. These are all ways that the devil uses to tear apart relationships, to bring down the church and even break our communion with God. Paul speaks of these dangers in, verses 14, in verse 14. He writes, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. The hope for us is that we will no longer be like infants who are tossed back and forth, not knowing what to believe in, but that we would grow in spiritual maturity so that we will be able to see and distinguish God's truth from the world's truth. Nowadays, it's really hard to know what the truth is because we have so many competing truths. We have people using terms like alternative facts to justify their own narratives, even if it's a false narrative. We value our own experiences, opinions, and desires that they have become truth to us. And heaven forbid anyone challenge us on what we believe to be true. We've allowed our truth to dictate how we live instead of living into God's truth. We follow God on our own terms, obeying him when it's convenient. In our mind, it's okay for a Christian to sleep around. In our minds, it's okay for a Christian to get drunk in the name and the sake of fellowship. But truth is not subjective. It is objective. And we find God's revealed truth in the word of God. This is why it's so important that we study God's word. God has revealed himself, his will, his truth in the Bible. We need to become students of his word. Otherwise, how will we defend what we don't know? To preserve our unity in Jesus, we must not only know the truth, but we also have to defend it by speaking truth in love. In verse 15, Paul writes, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. We are to speak truth with gentleness and compassion. This is something that we've talked about over and over in our church. It is important to the unity of the church that we share difficult truths with each other. This is not easy to do. Many of us, we shy away from it because we worry about how the other person may take it or we worry about creating division. But in order to defend the truth, we have to be okay 
with some discomfort. Discomfort is not always a bad thing. Some of us are so afraid of confrontation and conflict that we choose to avoid these difficult conversations. But God wants us and even commands us to speak truth, to speak into each other's lives for the sake of unity. When we choose to speak truth and love each to each other, we are actually upholding the unity that we have in Jesus because we're speaking from a place of love and wanting the other person to grow in maturity. As defenders of the truth, not only should we administer truth and love, but we should also welcome it from others. We need to get into the habit of meeting with people that we trust to receive feedback about how we can grow. If the only time that you hear truth is when you've messed up or failed, then it's only going to feel like rebuke. And it's not supposed to feel that way. Speaking truth and love is supposed to be encouraging. It's supposed to build up the body. It's supposed to build up the person. So let's make receiving truth and love a regular practice of our spiritual walk. As I think back at my own faith journey, I have so many people that I am thankful for. Right? I would not be the person that I am today without so many people pouring into my life. But there's one group that I just want to give a shout out to because I don't think they get enough credit. And that's the young people in our church. When I think back at even, even my own faith journey in the last 10 or so years, I've learned so much from our teenagers. Right? When most of us think about a teenager, what comes to mind? Usually it's somebody who's bratty or insecure. Maybe it's somebody who talks back to us. But from the teenagers that I've met, the words that come to my mind are kind, generous, passionate. I've had such a good experience from working with these teenagers and learning from them. I've learned so much from these kids in our youth group. And one of the many lessons that they've taught me is how we are to be unashamed for Jesus. It was, on one of our missions, it was on our missions trip to South Africa where they showed me what it really means to be unashamed for Jesus. One of the common sights at these villages would be that people would gather around and start dancing. Right? Wherever we went, whatever village we went, people were just so overjoyed that they would gather around, circle up, and start to dance. And what you need to know about me is that I hate dancing. Right? I hate dancing with a passion. It makes me feel awkward and weird. I don't know what my body is doing. And so anytime I would see this gathering of dancing, I would actually move to the side. Hopefully nobody would see me so that I wouldn't be called in to dance in the middle of the circle. But there was one time where I was just watching our kids dance with joy with these villagers, and my heart was moved. And it wasn't because our kids are good at dancing. Trust me, some of them, many of them, don't have rhythm either. But I was just so moved because these kids were just dancing with abandonment. They, had, they, they disregarded how they looked in front of everyone. And they were just doing it joyfully. And so as I watched them dance with joy, of course, they called me. And I had to move into the circle. And I don't know what was happening. I didn't know what I was doing. But it must have been the movement of the spirit because I was just twirling my fingers and moving around and jumping up and down. And it's because... The kids reminded me what it means to be unashamed for Jesus. It's not always what you say, but sometimes it's how you live that confronts people with the truth. God was using these young people to remind me that as an older person, as an adult, it's okay to let loose. I don't have to always be reserved. God was using these young people 
to build me up by confronting me with the truth that I needed to be stretched, that I need to get out of my comfort zone for the sake of unity, for the sake of Jesus. Metro, we have an opportunity today to show the world that what unites us is far greater than anything that could divide us. Unity is not something that we create, but it has been established because of God. We do not need to create unity. We just have to be responsible for preserving the unity that we have in Jesus. So Metro, today, let's fight to keep the unity that we have with Jesus by being a champion of diversity, embracing who we are, but embracing people who are different from us. Let's build up the body of Christ by serving and supporting one another. And let's defend the truth by not only being a student of God's word, but also speaking truth into each other's lives. Let's fight to keep the unity that we have in Jesus. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for what you have done on the cross, Jesus. The only reason that we can be a community, the only reason why we can be united is because of what you have accomplished on the cross and through your resurrection. And so I pray, God, that even in a moment, in a time like this, where we feel so disconnected, we feel so lonely, we feel so divided, God, that we would remember that we have you, Jesus, who unites us. And that there is no one, there is nothing that could be greater than the unity that we have in you. And so, Father, I just pray that you would help us to see how we can build community, how we can gather together and be united even in this time of COVID. I pray, Father, that for all of us, that we would see and value, Father, what it means to be your son, to be a follower, to be a believer, and how we are to live together in loving kindness towards one another. I pray, Father, for anyone who who is going through a division right now. I, I pray for those who have cut off people from their lives, that you would soften their hearts and that you would move them to seek forgiveness or to find forgiveness and pursue reconciliation at this time, God. God, there's so many things that we can look to to divide us. There's so many things. There's so many things that we have that we are indifferent from people. But I pray that the only thing that would matter is you, Jesus. I pray, God, Father, that you would be the one that we keep our eyes fixed on. I pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. At this time, if you could take out your communication card, or you can find it on your app, or you can find it on the website at emetro slash sunday. Uh, there's a couple of next steps I'd like to just go over with, with you. The first, I'm committing my life to Jesus for the first time. This is the greatest commitment that you could ever make. And if this is you, please check that off. We want to walk with you as you make this commitment. And so a pastor will get back to you. He'll email you just to help you with through, through this commitment that you're making. The second, I will attend Audio Bible Club this Thursday at 1130 a.m. 
Audio Bible Club, our public reading of scripture is back on. We're back from our summer break. And so we need to become students of God's word. God did not intend his word to be read individually, but it was actually to be read uh, as, a, as a community. And so may this be the commitment that you make just to spend time with others in reading God's word together. The third, I will ask a trusted friend for feedback on how I can grow. It's hard to speak truth and love, but it's actually harder to receive it. But may this be the commitment that you make, that you want to grow in maturity, that you want to grow and that you need the help of a trusted friend. So if that's you, just check that off. And the last one, I will seek to reconcile with someone who I have not yet forgiven. I'm sure there's people in this church that at this moment you might be mad at. Maybe you've cut them off, but God wants us to be a united body. And maybe that means for you to move into reconciliation with this person. And so I pray that you would just have the courage to move in that direction. And if that's you, just check that off.